There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. Hello and welcome to episode number 545 of Smart Podcast Trashy Books. I'm Sarah Wendell and my guests today are Marjorie Ingle and Susan McCarthy. They are the authors of a very new, fascinating and very dishy book, Sorry, 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 The Case for Good Apologies. So we're going to talk about apologies, celebrity mishaps, the psychology of what creates a good apology. And if you have been thinking of making amends in the new year or you're really wanting to write a good grovel, this is an episode that will be perfect for you. I do want to give you a heads up that we do talk about different apologies in different industries, including breaking down apologies from individuals accused of domestic abuse, assault, deceit, and other forms of harm. We don't get into the very specifics, but I wanted to let you know that that is part of the context we're talking about. Hello, and thank you to our Patreon community. Hello, you are all fabulous. If you would like to join our Patreon and support the show, you will keep me going every week. You will make sure that every episode has a transcript. Thank you, Garlic Knitter. You'll get bonus episodes. You'll get a wonderfully welcoming Discord community. It would be lovely to have you. And I have a compliment this week to Autumn. The plants near you are getting ready to bloom like they have never bloomed before in anticipation of the coming spring because they are so happy that you are in the world. If you would like to have a look at our Patreon or receive a compliment of your own, go to patreon.com slash smartbitches. I also want to say a special hello to Carol T, who is listening to episodes while packing for a very big move. I'm honored to keep you company. Please look after your knees and your back, and we hope your new home is welcoming and lovely. Folks, I have a New Year's resolution for you that is actually easy to keep. This is the year to finally stop wearing uncomfortable bras. Support for today's episode comes from Honey Love. Honey Love has revolutionized the bra game, so you no longer have to deal with uncomfortable underwires without sacrificing support. You will immediately feel and see the difference. Their bras are so comfortable, you won't want to take them off. For a limited time only, you can get Honey Love on sale. Get 20% off your entire order with the code Sarah at HoneyLove.com. You can support our show and check them out at HoneyLove.com and use code Sarah. Now, I really like my Honey Love bra. I am wearing it right now. And my favorite part about it is that I don't think about it when it is on. I don't have to adjust or move things around or pull on the side because a wire is digging into me. None of that. No wires, just comfortable support. I even sent one to Amanda and she loves hers too. The quality of their products is outstanding and the details are so thoughtful. Treat yourself to the best shapewear on the market save 20% off at honeylove.com with the code Sarah. Use code Sarah at honeylove.com. Cinched and lifted, it is hot girl season, thanks to Honeylove. This episode is brought to you in part by Athletic Greens. I tried Athletic Greens because I like having a nutritional drink, especially when I'm short on time or traveling and I'm off my normal eating schedule. 
And the all-in-one formula makes it easy for me to cover my nutritional bases every day. AG1 is powerful because it's so easy. I take AG1 after a workout or after a walk. It feels very good to know I'm making sure I have all the vitamins that I need. It's a daily habit with excellent benefits. You can make it with ice water, but I like to mix it with yogurt or toss it into a smoothie to boost my nutrition in one step. I take a bunch of different things when you can just mix one scoop of powder once a day. It's the healthiest thing you can do in under a minute. AG1 has been part of millions of mornings since 2010 and was designed with ease in mind. In fact, it's delivered every month, which makes it convenient for me because I never know what day it is. With AG1, taking good care of my body each day is really, really simple. If you're looking for an easier way to take supplements, Athletic Greens is giving you a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. Go to athleticgreens.com slash Sarah. That's athleticgreens.com slash Sarah and check it out. All right, are you ready to do this podcast? Let's talk about apologies. This is so much fun. I had such a good time doing this interview. On with the podcast. I am Marjorie Engel and I am a writer and co-creator with Susan, who you will meet in a moment, of the website sorrywatch.com, which has been, which is a sort of apology watchdog site that has been tracking apologies in the news, media, pop culture, literature, uh, since 2012. And we have a book coming out in on January 10th called Sorry, 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 The Case for Good Apologies. Hi, I'm Susan McCarthy. I'm a writer and author. Mostly I write about wildlife and animal behavior, but some years back, Marjorie and I started doing apology analysis at sorrywatch.com, and we made ourselves into experts on the subject of good apologies, which of course means that we had to look at a lot of bad apologies. So I have to tell you, one of the things that I do when my brain is fried, when my when I'm just mentally exhausted is I will go on subreddits that have complete stories like pro-revenge, nuclear revenge, which is often the case of someone who has deeply screwed up and then doubled down on their screw up, prompting the writer to concoct nuclear revenge. Sometimes it's malicious compliance where you comply to the, to the letter of the rules just to screw somebody who's being terrible to you. And the arc of seeing someone get some sort of consequences for their poor behavior. It is so satisfying. And I realized that I had such a similar feeling reading Sorry, 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 because even though you both profile some absolutely dreadful apologies and they're infuriating, you also explain the full arc of what uh, acknowledgement and taking responsibility and the satisfaction of a of a of a good story arc inside the apology. I love that part of the book. How each narrative reaches a conclusion, even if it's a terrible one, it's very very satisfying. So beyond me being yes, this is an amazing book. What will readers find inside? Sorry, sorry, sorry. Readers are going to find not only our six steps to a good apology and the analysis are six and a half because the sixth that. Six and a half step is listening. I'm sorry. Um, we don't do that on the internet. <laughs> <laughs> um, we break it down in, uh, to the steps. And this does two things. If you want to apologize, you know how. But also, if you get an apology and you still are not happy, looking at the six steps can really tell you why you're not happy. Like, who were they? What do you mean they said they regretted it? What does it mean? That they said, I'm sorry if that was triggering for you. Mm. Uh, yeah. Knowing what a good apology is, is an antidote to gaslighting. Oh, that's a very good point. Because a good apology is is empathy. Yes. Very well said. And you can say, thank you for saying you're sorry for, but it's not about how I feel. It's about how you did. Are you sorry for what you did? And we also look at, in the book, we also look at apologies um, throughout history. We look at government's apologies for wrongdoing. For me, sort of one of the revelatory parts was researching medical apologies and how um, people after a medical mistake want an authentic apology from a doctor or a hospital. And when they don't get one, 
when lawyers get involved and make doctors apologize in a certain way that takes no responsibility because they're afraid of getting sued, that's what gets them sued. <laughs> Their malpractice insurance is like, don't say that. Don't don't acknowledge that right. you did a thing. Even if that right. person if no you- longer has a spine. You right. you regret the absence of their spine. Sure. Not the fact but that you life as out. a puddle could be a delight. Yes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, so looking at other countries that have actually codified the notion of sitting with a patient and explaining what went wrong, explaining how this won't happen again. Yeah. And and in some cases offering some restitution, a small amount of restitution forestalls lawsuits. And we somehow often, ref- there are there are projects that are not working on that in America, but it's amazing to me that we just keep doubling down on the bad. Why do you think yeah. that is? Do you think it's because admitting culpability and accepting responsibility means internally that you haven't done a bad thing, you are bad? Is that meaning, is it internalizing the negative? Is it accepting some sort of financial liability, which, you know, the root, the, the general, the general uh, reputation of America outside of America is, of course, that we love to sue each other all the time. <laughs> right. And yeah. maybe if we, if we actually communicated, we wouldn't be doing that all the time. Yeah. Why um, do you think Americans are not so big in, in genuine apologies that are effective and empathetic? I think we've taken in this idea that's pretty prevalent in popular media, in movies, and you see it play out in politics where just don't apologize. It shows weakness, move on. Mm-hmm. Um, and indeed, apologizing shows imperfection. But, you know, everybody says, I'm not perfect, but I didn't do that bad thing. Yes. But wait, you're not perfect. So maybe you did. Maybe you did do the bad thing. People seem to have a hard time acknowledging any, while they say I'm not perfect or no one's perfect, they seem to have a hard time acknowledging any specific incidents of imperfection in their own life. Yeah. I will frequently say to myself, look, you, you screwed up. And I am, I am really good at self-recrimination. Like, I am top shelf good at self-recrimination. I am extremely Bravo. good at it. Thank you. It's not I'll pleasant. You. To, yeah, I can it, do that. It's not good to be in my brain sometimes. And I will say to myself, look, you are you cannot be a perfect human. You have screwed up. Screw ups will happen. What are you going to do to make sure this doesn't happen again? Um, when I worked in overnight camping, and this was this was something that my husband wait, and I, I... Wait, I'm so sorry. I need to interrupt when you said I worked in overnight camping because yes. I did not know that you had worked in camps. I did. But your novella about Jewish summer camp and romance with former Jewish summer camp people was so freaking good. Thank I you. loved it so much. And uh, I felt extremely seen in a way that was very touching for me. Thank you. All my insides are gooey now. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) But when I worked in camping, you have a very compressed time to make the summer happen. And if something, something goes wrong, you have to fix it as fast as possible, get everything back into what was supposed to be happening and then figure out how not to, how that doesn't happen again. My husband and I call it camp sense. This, this sense that there's no such thing as not my job. And we are all responsible for this collective experience for the campers that are there. And when it comes to admitting you screw up, there are so many people that that cannot do that. So I want to ask you both, what led to a book about apologies? Because I know it grew out from the website and I know all about website to book. It is a very fine path. What led to this book? And tell me about some of the research you did. I think what led to the book was a piece that I wrote for Salon back in the day, which was a humor piece about... Uh, sorry if apologies. Oh, yeah. And they're just such ugly things. And this was hung on, you know, news events, you know, sorry if we accidentally bombed your embassy and your nation went to into irrational mourning. Uh, So it wasn't a piece that I expected to stick around, but people kept communicating with me and saying, I printed that out and I made my mom read it. Uh, I sent it to my boyfriend to explain why I was still upset after he said he was sorry if I took something the wrong way. And so I realized this was something a lot of people care about. Yes. And and I knew that Marjorie had done a lot of 
writing about apology, uh, including really funny stuff, um, especially in uh, in the context of uh, atonement uh, in in Judaism. And uh, so I I roped her in to to uh, help me write about this, and we both are suckers for doing research. <laughs> Comes with the journalism, yeah. right? Right. The, it's the journalist's procrastination tool. You know, in college, we used to exfoliate and clean the room, and now we do. Yeah, yeah. research is combing yak hair. I get it. We looked at lots of apologies in the news, and we go, "What is? Is this good? Is this bad?" And we just, you know, oh, he's apologizing to the team, but not to the, you know, the woman he raped. Yeah. Um, right. Apologizing to the manager, apologizing to the fans, you know, apologize to the woman you beat up in the elevator, you know. Um, but so we started the site in 2012, not knowing that in 2016, there would be a massive national interest in the notion that, you know, if I ever do something wrong, I'll apologize. And, you know, we elected uh, a president who made it very clear that he was, that apologies were weak. Yeah. And apologies are in fact an ev evidence of strength because our brains are not wired to make us apologize well. I mean, you, we are designed to see ourselves as the hero of our own story. That's yes. how we function in the world. Yes. And, uh, you know, apologizing means you're the villain in someone else's story and you have to acknowledge that. And if we always, you know, as we all know, when you get trapped in your own guilt and self-recrimination, that's not healthy either. So a nice thing about apologizing yeah. is it moves everybody out of that cycle. And it means, you know, getting out of our, you know, very human, uh, I hate myself and uh, I don't want to, take the step of being vulnerable to somebody else. Mm -hmm. This is, this is a tough and brave and very human and vulnerable. Act. Yeah. Yeah. And it deserves applause, not this notion that it's weak. I was really intrigued by the section in your book where you talked about doing research into the psychology of apologies and the, the physical and mental discomfort of existing in a state of dissonance when you recognize the person I see myself as and the person I want to be does not match the thing that I did. And that's uncomfortable. And apologizing helps you reconcile those two things. And one thing I say all of the time is that I don't understand how so many people run around in that state of dissonance. Like their actions and who they say they are are so far apart. I'm like, don't you have a headache? From all of that dissonance <laughs> like does your skull vibrate do your is there, is there like music coming out of your mouth because your fillings are vibrating at a pitch and like birds can you like don't you hurt from that because I can't stand that feeling that dissonance no. is so painful and that kind of dissonance is the origin of the horrible phrase that belongs in absolutely no apologies that's not who I am oh you no know, like yeah okay it's we don't you know, again, going back to, you know, camping stuff, you know, Jewish tradition is about what you do, not what you think. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, you know, let's not worry about, you know, this is not who you are. This is a thing that you did. Work on the thing that you did and yeah. make amends for the thing that you did. Yeah. And don't say this is not who I am. Don't even don't 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 get wound up in who you yeah. are. We are all flawed people. Yeah. And my friends know I'm perfect. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. <laughs> one of the things I respect most about Judaism is one of the major influences in my deciding to convert, actually, is the idea that on Yom Kippur, if you have sinned against another person, you can't go to God and be like, listen, I so screwed up with that person, but can you and me just, can you just absolve me? Is that good? No, you have to go and make amends to that person. God could not absolve you of sins that you've committed against other people. And I was like, oh, right. well, right. hello, my moral compass. We seem to be alive. <laughs> That's why we, we have bad apology bingo cards in the book. And yes, one of the phrases I love them on a bingo so card, much. one of the phrases is, um, you know, God knows my heart, Ugh. which is a, a phrase that we have heard in several apologies. Um, no, don't care. I don't. God doesn't need to know your heart. The person you wronged needs to know your heart. Yep. No, sorry, if no, sorry, but and no, sorry, you. Oh, yes. That's the trifecta of good. <laughs> oh, yeah. 
One of my favorite um, terms that I've read was um, Linda Holmes from NPR coined the term onomatopology, makes all the noises of an apology, but it's not an actual apology. And I feel like this is onomatopology, the book. Yes. Our term is apology-shaped object. Yes, exactly. <laughs> You're saying all these words and it's a nice word salad, but you haven't actually addressed the, the thing. What parts of your research surprised you? Were there things that you learned that made you go, oh, that's cool. I didn't know that. Oh, one of my favorite things is the Zygernick effect, which is, first of all, it's such a great name. And, but it's based on actual research, which came out of observing what orders waiters remembered in a Berlin cafe and how they forgot them after the, the uh, customers had paid the bill. And the essence of it is, that a completed action, you don't remember it as well as an uncompleted action. Oh, so the waiters yes. remembered everything you ordered until you paid the bill, and then it wasn't important anymore, and they forgot. And if you have something that you did, something stupid you said, something selfish you did, and you wake up at night thinking about it, oh, oh, uh, but then if you apologize for it, that makes it a completed action. And I found this a couple times in writing the site is I wanted to write about something that I had where I had messed up and apologized. And I couldn't even remember what I had done because it was a completed action after I apologized. And so I didn't wake up at 3 a.m. and go, oh, oh man, that was such a stupid thing to say. Uh, and sometimes I was able to retrieve what it was that I did. And sometimes I never have figured it out. And the idea that you can get rid of those vicious self-blaming things by actually doing the right thing and apologizing is amazing and has a scientific basis. I love that part. I love that so much. Marjorie, what about you? What surprised you? My favorite thing was seeing a parallel between the work we do on apology and the work um, that there was a study that got a lot of traction uh, earlier this year on how powerful uh, people found receiving a thank you note. And people who sent the thank you notes tended not to, you know, you worry, Ugh, am I, is this, you know, do I sound okay? Am I groveling? Well, we got to talk about, you know, good groveling versus bad groveling. Oh, yes. you know, um, it's on my list. Do I, um, you know, how's my way of expressing myself? Am I, am I does it look like I'm sucking up? And the people who received the thank you notes thought they were the greatest thing in the world. Yeah. And we tend to underestimate how happy people will get when they get this, you know, when they get a note yeah. and especially an apology note. And I think that that's true about apologies is, you know, everybody loves to talk about cancellation. Everybody loves to talk about how, oh, you can never be forgiven. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and I think you know, we have to separate social media performativeness mm -hmm. versus, you know, that's not the same thing as interpersonal, the human beings in our actual lives. Yeah. And most of the time when someone apologizes to you and apologizes well, mm -hmm. um, it is such a huge weight off of you both. Yeah. Um, and people, I think this whole notion of nobody's willing to accept apologies anymore. You know, you can never, you can never, you can never win. Yeah. Um, I don't, believe, I don't believe that. That might be because that person's apologies kind of suck. Correct. <laughs> yeah. Correct. I, I read I, uh... recently some people um, on Twitter talking about how sometimes, a, you, you know, you'll have a really, really long friendship and there'll be some minor conflict and you address it. And sometimes that's the end of that friendship because it cannot withstand any conflict, but apologizing and interacting over the the course of creating that healing of whatever went wrong, that can actually make your relationships a lot stronger too, which is something you talk a lot about. Yes. I mean, I'm always a little taken aback when people say we never fight about a, a relationship because if you don't fight, then how do you make up and how do you understand what the other one is feeling? Um, Su Susan, do you agree? Um, I partly agree. I, I think I have quite a few friends that I've never had a fight with, but the friends I do fight with, 
I, I always think that they're more like a family member. They're like a sister or yeah. a brother. Yeah. You can actually have a fight and not fear that that destroys everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. So let's talk worst apologies that you have witnessed. What are your top most terrible apologies? I'm, I I'm sorry. I'm sorry if you are dead now. <laughs> I'm sorry that my acts of ne- negligence resulted in your I regret that my acts of negligence no that's still taking responsibility I regret that you're dead I'm sorry if you are no longer alive that's g- God, yeah, God knows yeah. my heart people exactly. thank you um, oh yeah I'm well, taking I was that out think of good, you know they all did you know it's interesting on the website uh, when we excoriate bad celebrity apologies, those get the most traffic. Mm-hmm. But those, I ultimately, we've over the years, you know, it's been a decade now, and we are less likely to do those, even though they're the most trafficked ones, because mm-hmm. I don't know how helpful they are to anybody. Um, I mean, it's sort of fun to bond about how terrible a celebrity apology is, but um, you know, famous part of what we went into in more detail in the book is that we're not going to really learn anything from what people with incredible privilege and people who don't tend to experience a lot of consequences. Mm -hmm. uh, We're not going to learn much from their apologies. That said, um, I would like to share an apology that made me see this year, this past year, which was Jimmy Kimmel apologizing to Quinta Brunson when he completely ate her beautiful Emmy moment and just hiring for your small business. If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals. You can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role in a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at onepeloton.com thing oh, and during her whole appearance and then i want to read it out loud because it was so bad um he said congratulations on your emmy i missed it how did it go oh that was a dumb comedy bit we thought would be funny i lost and then i drank too much and then i got dragged out on stage what and, you were yeah. the host you weren't dragged anywhere you, you were paid drag you you were paid got a lot upset of dollars people got upset and said i stole your moment kimmel told brunson Maybe I did. And I'm very sorry if I did do that. And then he seemed to realize how that sounded. And he said, I'm sorry, I did do that, actually. And also, the last thing I would ever want to do is upset you because I think so much of you. I hope you know that. And of course, she has to sit there and take that grace graciously and not be like, what was that trash? That exactly. And one of the things that we feel like is not discussed enough in apology research is how gender and race affect both apologies and forgiveness, because you can't look at this white man basically tromping on the moment and then apologizing badly mm-hmm. to, you know, a younger black woman for to and not go. Oh. He didn't acknowledge or see of any it. of that. None of it. None of the power dynamics. No. Um I've been looking lately a lot at um, exonerations where people have been in prison for years. And then typically what happens is the DNA evidence exonerates them. Yeah. And usually the DA who is in power at the time the person is released is not the DA who was there when the person was thrown in prison and typically there was evidence that was ignored. There were jailhouse informants that shouldn't have been trusted. Mm-hmm. Uh, there were alibis that were ignored. Mm-hmm. And most of the time the DAs either say nothing or they say, basically, God sucks to be you. Yeah. Um, that's not what we do. Yeah. Sometimes this is the absolute worst. They say, 
no, 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 you're you, you're probably still guilty. Uh, there was a case in Georgia where the D.A. said, uh, well, uh, the DA DNA evidence, we can't admit that because that would be going into the victim's sexual history. And for absolutely no the good one reason. time, they don't care about the victim's sexual history, right? <laughs> exactly. Oh, my God. Um, I did find another case where the DA was actually the DA who prosecuted this person who was in, prosecuted this person who was in jail for 30 years and said, I am so sorry I was young and I was full of myself and I was trying to make a name for myself. And, and I just, you know, rode roughshod over you. And he really owned how selfishly he had behaved in pursuing this prosecution. Um, and it's just, it's just shocking to me how few good apologies there are to people who have been exonerated. Yeah. I am fascinated by one element of celebrity apologies. It's looking specifically at Ned from the Try Guys. Um, I think that, especially online, there is a great deal of interest in the hypocrisy that's located in that dissonance between who you perform as and who you are. And so the farther those two things grow apart, like the the image that you are promoting and who you say you are, and then your behavior gets farther and farther away from that. There's a lot of interest in the hypocrisy in that middle area and that dissonance. And when someone gets caught being 180 degrees away from what they've told people that they are, and they've made their brand being somehow subversive or deviant from the norm, especially especially norms of ex expression of masculinity. I am fascinated by the complete collapse when you point out, okay, actually, you're not this, you're that, and enough people see it. Like, the whole Try Guys thing was absolutely fascinating to me, not only because the apology was so poor, but also because men held another man who was their business partner accountable. And I think one of the things that's so often missing in so many apologies is the degree to which people are protected from having to be accountable. And I think that was a really interesting element of how do you create an apology when creating the apology might alienate you from all the people who have been, you know, protecting your horrible self for years and years. It's so funny because as you were talking about, you know, the disconnect between mm -hmm. who you play and who it turns out you actually are, that I think is a big part of the downfall of Ellen DeGeneres. Ellen DeGeneres, Bill Cosby. Yeah. Yep. All of them. Yep, Not cool. that those two crimes be... are the same, by the way. Those no, are two totally no. separate problems. <laughs> but if you don't, if you have people around you who, which is also why we don't tend to learn a lot from celebrity apologies. A lot yeah. of them are crafted by PR people and crisis management teams. Yeah. Um, but, you know, Ellen talking about how hard it is to be known as the nice lady. When you're not a nice um, lady. Is that what you're trying to say there, Ellen? That's, <laughs> you know, and and yeah, like, oh, I'm just, uh, you know, again, the I'm only human thing, but never quite acknowledging, you know, talking about an atmosphere of bad in her show, but never acknowledging the things people said about her own personal badness besides yeah. the whole sort of the buck stops here. You know, I didn't know about it, but mm -hmm. I'm the person whose name is on the show. You know, no, people said bad things about you specifically. And mm -hmm. she never, yeah. as far as I could tell, addressed those. No. Nope. Um, and people were angrier because when you pretend to be, you know, yeah, Mr. Jello pudding, you know, America's dad thing, oh. and then you do the horrible things. Yeah. 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 So what are some of the best apologies that you found in your research? What are some of the ones where you were like, okay, why can't everyone just do this? One of the best is an old one. It is from when the space shuttle Columbia exploded. Yeah. And Wayne Hale, who was the launch integration manager, to, a, he took responsibility at the time, even though he had been at the time trying to stop the giant machinery of yeah. NASA saying this isn't we, we have not tested this well enough later. So they felt that what had gone wrong was something about um, uh, insulation. Sealed. Yeah. yeah. Sealed insulation around the fuel tank. Yeah, correct. And when it turned out that indeed 
uh, it had not, it was not the uh, insulation that failed. It was the fact that they hadn't tested the gas tanks full and partially empty. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there were different, uh, in whatever, it expanded differently when it was, when the tanks were full and partially empty. Yeah. He went to the factory that had made the insulation and said, and apologized to the fa- on the factory floor to mm-hmm. those guys personally yeah. for them being in the heat of all of this media stuff. Yeah. And he apologized publicly and he apologized privately. He took responsibility. He explained what happened. You know, this was the, the factory was in Louisiana. It was after Katrina. Mm-hmm. And like, it was a, it was an important, meaningful apology and an, a meaningful gesture. Yeah. And BT dubs, not only did he not get fired, which is what everybody's fear is when they apologize and admit a mistake, mm-hmm. he ended up getting promoted. Mm-hmm. So this notion that apology is career death is just not inherently correct. No. I mean, it may be in the place in which you work, but if apology means death in the place in which you work, that's that's another problem you might want right. to examine and, right. and figure right. out how to deal with. Because I've worked in those places right. and it sucks. Yeah. And it was super heartening with the Try Guys seeing those two men call another man to account. Yeah. The, the, there was this one video of the three of them and they're sitting on a couch and one of them is just vibrating with anger. You had angry guy, you had sad guy, and you had utterly exhausted, baffled, what the hell is happening guy. And I'm like, wow, this is actual human reactions. And that's that's what a good apology is, right? It is acknowledging the humanity of the person you've hurt. Yes. It's, it's, yes. it's, it's acknowledging, yeah, I, I fucked up. One of the things that I remember very, very early um, was realizing that there are a lot of parents who never apologize to their kids when they screw up. Like parents yeah, are supposed to be infallible. And I'm like, okay, I'm sorry, my dudes. I fuck up all the time. I'm sorry. That was not cool of me. I'm, I apologize. I hope you're okay. No, like, so so yeah. my last book was called Mamala Knows Best. And it was a look at sort of Jewish parenting practices through history. And it was also sort of a funny researchy one. But there's all this research on authoritarian parents versus authoritative parents. Mm-hmm. And the, the you know, authoritarian parents are the ones who can never apologize, mm-hmm. who, uh, you know, that's my authority. I, you know, versus authoritarian, which is, you know, you know, you're the parent, you know, you have responsibility, yeah. but yeah. you also, this is a relationship, yeah. you know, and it's, you're modeling good behavior when you apologize, yeah. you know? Yeah. And oftentimes I will apologize. I've, I've, I, I love the idea that when someone apologizes to you for doing something that you weren't bothered by, they're actually giving you an insight into what bothers them. That it, that you did something. So I like I did something um, that I thought really annoyed my older son, and I went to him later. I'm like, hey, I feel really bad that I did this. I'm really sorry. It, I I apologize. That was not cool. And he's like, what are you talking about? And I said, well, I hate when people do that to me. And he's like, okay, I won't do that to you, but that didn't bother me at all. Okay, good insight. Good talk. Have a, you know, go back to your video games. Everybody learns something. Right. When you, when someone apologizes to you for something that they're feeling bad about that didn't bother you, you're getting insight into their boundaries. And isn't an apology just an acknowledgement? Yeah. Your boundaries were, were pushed here and I, I screwed up. Right. And your boundaries are legitimate. And your boundaries are important to me enough that when I break them, I want to acknowledge, yeah, I, I screwed up. Susan, what about you? What do you think is one of the most greatest, effective, fabulous apologies? Uh, well, this one is a celebrity social media apology. I just loved it. It was uh, when Questlove was uh, touring in uh, Japan and the Far East. Yeah. And he was, you know, putting out a, a steady flow of uh, social media posts and little video clips and stuff like that. And he was talking in the uh, switching the R's for L's stereotype uh Japanese speaker thing yeah and he was making jokes about that he took a little video of a guy who was uh sleeping on a bus with him but very noisily and he was just totally othering uh yeah people in Asia and people eventually like his co-hosts that he was talking to were sort of going yeah that's okay you can make that joke haha now I will make that joke mm-hmm. um and then he just realized oh oh, that's totally messed up. And I'm like, you know, as a black American who is often the target of jokes, uh, I should be the last person to make those jokes. That was dumb. Mm -hmm. That was, you know, he really just laid it all out there on social media, what he had done. And um, And it it wasn't this crafted, it wasn't like this crafted, 
you know, obviously a publicist wrote this. It was him. It wasn't a designer apology. Yeah. That's right. He didn't he didn't download it from our site and insert his name. Oh, guess that's true. (laughs) But it what but also that apology shows the sort of mental process behind him realizing, oh yeah, that really wasn't cool. And I know why now and I feel bad. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And one thing about apologies with children. Yeah. Is as adults, we're very, if we're not careful, we're going to apologize to children and then give them a lecture. Mm -hmm. And that, you know, Harriet Lerner has written about this. That just destroys the value of the apology. If you say, I'm sorry I yelled at you, honey, but you were making that noise that was so annoying. No, you were sorry you yelled at them. Yeah. Later, if you want to, you can talk about their habit of making annoying noises, but that's separate. But as adults, it's really hard for us not to follow up with a lecture. So one of the major parts of romance, one of my favorite parts, is the grovel. Like there have been whole romances that are basically one long grovel. Um, Why do you think a good grovel is so satisfying to read? I have not tended to read a lot of great romance novel grovels. And I realized it's because I'm so... uh, afraid of not afraid of I hate the alpha ma- alpha heroes so oh, much not a fan even either. in the beginning even when I know the arc is going to be redemption I can't mm-hmm. read them yep um but I did love um the Courtney Milan novella um unlocked where it's when they're when do you know what I'm talking about it is my primary example of outstanding grovel yes such quality groveling and maybe because the bad behavior happened so many years before um i could i could handle it um uh yeah i'm a i'm a beta hero reader so yeah for uh, for me so much of alpha male writing comes across to me as deep insecurity and adherence to a very limiting view of masculinity that I'm just like, I'm not interested in watching you learn emotional intelligence. I would like you to arrive with emotional intelligence. (laughs) Exactly. And just, you know, given, uh, you know, absolutely no shame in anyone's reading game. Yeah. Read whatever you like. uh, If that's your, if that's your trope, God love you. But, and I think that we do love the grovel because we we love the idea that we live in, we, I mean, we, we, we hate the idea. We know that we live in this soup of toxic masculinity and this mm-hmm. notion that in our escapism, you know, somebody who does something really bad will just endlessly beg for forgiveness and really do the work is super appealing. I mean, one um, of the quintessential titles in romance world is Pride and Prejudice, where there's two apologies one bad (laughs) one good it's so funny I always want to when I read a great apology in a book I always want to share it on our social media but then I never do because it's always a spoiler yeah oh yeah (laughs) you're 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 going to the end and the thing I love about Courtney Milan's Unlocked in particular is that it's based on the idea that when he was immature he teased the girl that he liked and then he went away and he came back and found that all of his teasing had completely destroyed her socially and she was very lonely and it was his fault. And yeah. he really did like her and he did not have the maturity to actually express that in a way that wasn't damaging to her. Yes. Oh, I think in my review, I called that the grovel vela because it was a oh, vela full such of such a good grovel vela. Oh, so and much. also the thing, you know, maybe uh, it felt personal to me uh, because the thing that he mocked was her laugh. Yeah. And as somebody who has a total guffaw, yeah. um, I felt... Yeah. Don't make fun of someone's laugh. That's an involuntary noise. Don't do that. And it's, it's, you know, I have to tell you, my husband and I have known each other since fifth grade. Okay. And nothing like that, but he did, he did say a couple things in the course of fifth and sixth grade in particular that, uh, I have met fifth and sixth grade boys before. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, a lot of that was uh, the culture at our school in yeah. fifth and sixth grade. Yeah. Um, and in fact, he was much nicer than the other boys about girls being acceptable beings. <laughs> but, uh, you know, which I did it, not know you'd known Daniel since fifth grade. 
Yep. Well, we weren't an item. We had a lot of, uh, both of us had a lot of immaturity to get past. But when you grovel, you expose vulnerability and it brings you so much closer. It enables you to go on mm -hmm. uh, so much more closely and understandingly. I think that's one reason a good grovel is so satisfying to read about. Yes, it because a good grovel and a good apology are you being as you being authentically yourself as as authentically as you possibly can and exposing how vulnerable and bad you feel because screwing up feels bad. So before we go, can we tell you what we think the six and a half steps to a good apology are? I would love to know the six and a half good steps to a good apology. I didn't want to ask you to outline them in case you want people to go and, you know, read the book and find oh, out. You tell are so good. Please tell Thank me. You. Please tell me the six and a half steps to a good apology. Should anyone who is listening be writing a grovel or need to apologize? Yes. We figured there's enough value add in the rest of the book yeah. that we can share these things because this is the most important thing. This is better. This is bigger than us. Mm -hmm. Susan, you want to do it? No, you do it, Marjorie. You're on no, you do it. No. Okay. No. Well, how, okay. you know what? We can trade off on the steps. Okay. How's that? All right. Number one, use the word sorry or apologize. Regret oh. is not apology. The bar is so low. That is about you feel. Apologies are about what the other person feels. Number two, for what? say what it's for. Say what you're apologizing for. Don't say, I'm sorry how it all went down Tuesday. Don't say- Sorry for that regrettable incident. Yeah, sorry about that. Say it. <laughs> <laughs> Number three, show you understand why it was bad. You know, if you say, you know, um, sorry, I borrowed your car without asking. And it was like, no, sorry- you know, you left it for three days and there was a rat in the, ask me how I know this, that there was a rat in the engine and you turned it and it was all disgusting and gutsy, full of guts. And I had to have it, you know, no, say you're, let's apologize for that. What number four. are we on? Four. What's that? Explain only as much as is necessary. Yeah. So will you explain if you need to explain, but really watch out for giving excuses? Yes. I have encountered a few conversations, just even my household, where someone will be talking and be like, look, those are those are reasons. That's backstory. That's not an excuse. I still screwed up. Right. Yeah. Yep. Yep. I think maybe one of the canonical examples is uh, saying I had a really bad day. Okay. You know, Okay, you had a really bad day. Why did you? How does that mean you have to yell at me? Why are you That's taking an, it out on me? I didn't do anything. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but if you say, "I didn't even see you in the in, that you were in the room," that's an explanation. If you say, "I was in a bad mood when I came into the room," no. Well, I'm sorry. That's we expect you to manage your emotions like a functional adult human. So yeah, yeah let's try that. Okay, number five, say why it won't happen again. What steps are you taking? Yeah. And cor for a corporation, that's also a really important step because they're really good at just issuing apologies that mean nothing. Yeah. Are you going to yeah. make sure that all the DNA in all the cases gets examined? Yeah. Yeah. That would be nice. Now, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah. Wouldn't it indeed? Wouldn't it be lovely? And then um, step six is reparations. Can you make up for it? You know, if you bumped into somebody and you say, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't see you there. Uh, are you OK? That's fine. You don't have to make reparations for that. But if you, in fact, broke their dish, can you buy them a new one? Mm -hmm. Can you get them a new one? Can you pay for the dry cleaning? Yeah. Can you tell their mom that it wasn't true what you said about them? The best apology is changed behavior. Yes. The best apology is demonstrating, yeah, that, that that's not what I'm doing. I'm not doing that again. Right, right. Like one of the great historical corporate apologies is the Tylenol poisoning case in the 80s yeah. when somebody poisoned several bottles of Tylenol. And we and still don't know who. That's a very old They've mystery. never found out who. No one knows who it was. And like the words, like I actually looked and I couldn't find the words I'm sorry anywhere, but oh my God, the behavior yeah. was perfect, which is why they still teach this in business schools yeah. is, you know, 
uh, pulling all of the bottles off the shelves if everywhere, not just in the place where the incident happened, uh, regularly updating people about how this investigation was going, changing the packaging to the childproof packaging we still have today. I mean, that's a behavioral apology. Mm-hmm. And that was huge. And expensive. Uh, and I mean, and expensive. and expensive. And that actually, they did do the six, the the half step of our six and a half step thing over there at Tylenol, which was listen, which was daily press conferences yeah, and actually answering questions. Yeah. So I always ask this question, what books are you reading that you want to tell people about with the understanding that this episode will come out in January, but as of right now, Harper Collins has not gone to the negotiating table with the union. So I won't mention or promote. I, I love that you are not that you guys are saying on all of your book, all of your book related pages now Marjorie. that we're not talking about Harper Collins until they acknowledge their union. But what I'm reading right now, I literally just finished um, a smart bitches recommendation, which was reluctant immortals. Ooh. Um, which I liked. Yeah. I liked it. I thought the premise of, you know, um, uh, Lucy Westenra and, um, uh, Jane Eyre and uh, Bertha from who is the mad woman in the attic all yeah. getting together to yeah. take down uh, Dracula and uh, Rochester was delightful. In but the it was 60s. More, yeah. Yeah. In the 60s in the hate. Um, but it was more vibes. Yeah. Uh, There's a lot of than, vibes books now. Have you noticed? Vibes are very in right now. No plot, uh, just vibes. Just vibes. Um, and I just read... Um, uh, uh, Shelf Discovery, the Lizzie Skernick book, which was a delight. Um, and what am I reading right this second? Well, I finally, my library holds on I'm Glad My Mom Died. Oh. Yeah. Oh, it's so good. I can't wait. And I, um, I'm going to have to like, you know, we can't buy all the books that we want to buy because we just can't afford to do that. Mm-hmm. But I believe I'm actually going to buy Rob Delaney's new book about his son's death um uh which i'm blanking on the title of but a heart um, that works a heart that works exactly it was so much better than it had to be it was so much better and it deals with his alcoholism and um hilarious like laugh out loud pp funny um so i'm actually gonna buy that book fabulous susan what about you what books would you like people to Um, know about i really liked uh both the boys by katie hafner and City of Orange uh, by David Yoon. Those both had actual surprises that I didn't see coming, um, which is pretty unusual, I think. Um, a book that's not recent uh, that I had to order from a website was this amazing book, uh, Pursuing Giraffe. A 1950s ah. adventure. So imagine that Jane Goodall wanted to study giraffes and didn't have Louis Leakey as a mentor um, and was from Canada. And she was just a very young woman who loved giraffes and went to Africa to study giraffes. She had no one she was working with. She had no one she was working for. She just did it. Wow. And she wrote a monograph on giraffes. And since then, despite a lot of sexism in the uh, in academia, like uh, you got your Ph.D. here, so we can't employ you uh, kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. and you know what? We don't actually hire women as full professors kind of stuff, um, for which, incidentally, she later got much later got an apology. She went ahead and she became a, a writer and researcher, uh, extremely prolific, despite the handicaps and the relative obscurity. I find it just a fascinating book. Wow. It was such a good cover. Gorgeous. It is a good cover. Oh, I also wanted to just say that um, uh, we wanted, we really like books that are researchy and sciencey and smart, mm-hmm. but also really funny and easy to read. Yes, that is of, definitely the case with your book. Thank you. Um, so I think some good models for that that I read recently was um, I just read both the Menopause Manifesto and What Fresh Hell Is This? Guess why? And um, both of those I thought were great. And for me personally, a sort of model for how you do funny, sciencey writing yes. um, is Mary Roach. Um, Absolutely. For me, in particular, Stiff was my favorite. Um, 
And uh, yeah, like, it's funny, like we've, our books have, uh, this book has gotten very good advanced reviews, but a couple noted that they were a little baffled by the tone. And why us, would they be baffled, baffled by the tone? The tone made perfect I know, sense. Why would you want to be funny? Um, why would you want people to read your book? Um, but it's also important to laugh when you acknowledge that, um, you know, a hard thing is hard. Yeah. That, you know, we're all sh- we're all sharing this hard thing experience of apologizing. There is a researcher who I really like named um, Dr. Devin Price. They are a sociologist. Their first book was Laziness Does Not Exist which unpacks the colonialist white supremacist patriarchal idea of laziness, which is you are not pro- providing profitable labor, labor, so you are to be, you know, castigated for that. There's a whole chapter where Dr. Price talks about their chinchilla, whose name is Dump Truck. And there's a whole chapter examining the concept of laziness versus just being in the world focused on Dump Truck, which is fantastic. Dr. Price is also uh, trans and autistic and wrote a new book this year called Unmasking Autism, which was their goal to write a book about autism from the perspective of an autistic researcher. And they spend a lot of time on the intersections of being trans and being autistic and having ADHD and having a bunch of different invisible neurodiverse um, intersected issues with the way that you move through the world, but also... Dr. Price has zero fucks to give. Like, negative. Oh my God. Negative. I am all over this, both for me and for my kid who is autistic and oh. genderqueer. Yeah, and this is Dr. Price oh will blow their mind. Dr. Price is fantastic. I've, I interviewed Dr. Price for Laziness Does Not Exist. So there's an episode with them. Okay, I'll go back. But this is, you, have, you have been just a font of awesome wrecks here. This is makes been, me so, so happy. <laughs> But that is one of like the books that I read this year that I still think about. And it, it, it just helps you think about how do you want to make your world welcoming for neurodiverse people, but also look at all of this bullshit. You see all this bullshit? There's just layers of bullshit. And you can't, you can't get rid of it. Bullshit all the way down. Bullshit all the way down. So yeah. where can people find you both if you wish to be found? You don't have to wish to be found. It's fine if you don't want to be. We love to be found. Um, God only knows if Twitter will still exist. God when... only knows. Yep. Um, but we are on Facebook as Sorry Watch. Mm-hmm. We are at sorrywatch.com. Yep. You can get our book wherever you get your books, including the library, which we are big fans of. Oh, yes. I thought of something is we um we yeah. mentioned Harriet Lerner, yeah. but we didn't say the name of her book. Oh, what's what's Harriet um, Lerner's book? It's why won't you apologize, right, Susan? That's right. Yeah, um, she has and, great case histories because she's a psychologist. So yes. she yeah. talks people through this stuff. Yeah, thank you so <laughs> so much for thank this interview. You. This has been great, and, and your, your book is so great. I hope it does so well. Thank you. thank you, and I'm glad to have the opportunity to tell you what a super fan I am face to face. Thank you. That's so nice to hear. And that brings us to the end of this week's episode. Thank you again to Marjorie and Susan for hanging out with me. I will have links to all of the books we talked about, including Sorry, 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 The Case for Good Apologies in the show notes at smartbitchestrashybooks.com slash podcast episode number 545. I always end with a terrible joke. This week is no exception. And this joke is from Danny. Hi, Danny. Now, I know you've heard of Murphy's Law where, you know, if something can go wrong, it will go wrong. But have you heard of Cole's Law? Have you heard of Cole's Law? Yeah, it's thinly sliced cabbage. (laughs) Thank you, Danny. (laughs) Cole's Law. I actually hate coleslaw, which is weird because I generally like mayonnaise, but coleslaw, not my thing. (laughs) On behalf of everyone here, we wish you the very best of reading. Have a wonderful weekend. We will see you back here next week. Smart Podcast Trashy Books is part of the Frolic Podcast Network. Guess what you can find? Outstanding podcasts at frolic.media slash podcasts. Coleslaw. (laughs) 
Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.